Hey there, it's Carrie. A number of you have noticed that these jury duty episodes have been getting shorter, and I want to take a minute to explain why. First, I want to assure you that our coverage remains just as in-depth as it was when we started two years ago with the Durst trial. But we have limited resources. So, in order to maintain a five-episode-per-week schedule and to sustain the quality of the work, we've decided to make the episode shorter. That said, in the very near future, we plan to launch an ad-free Patreon streaming option, which will also include a lot of exclusive content. If you'd like to know more about that, subscribe to this feed or subscribe to our newsletter at crimestory.com. Thanks again for listening and for your tremendous support. Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we looked at the conclusion of Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Corey Washington, a social media influencer who live-streamed video of the chaotic streets of Kenosha on the night of August 25th and was within earshot of the shootings of Rosenbaum, Huber, and Grosskreutz. In this episode, we explore defense attorney Corey Sharafasi's cross-examination of Washington. That's all coming up right after the break. 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Defense attorney Corey Sharafasi, who serves as second chair to Mark Richards in the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, approaches the lectern to begin his questioning of Corey Washington. Sharafasi wears a crisp blue suit, a powder blue shirt, and a yellow and blue striped tie. He sports a cleanly shaved head and presents a decidedly less folksy appearance than his co-counsel, Mark Richards. Sharafasi's style has a power law firm feel when compared with prosecutor Thomas Binger's more hipster wardrobe and grooming choices. Sharafasi begins by implicitly attacking the state's seventh count against his client, failure to comply with an emergency order from state or local government. In other words, Kyle Rittenhouse is charged with violating the Kenosha City curfew, and Sharafasi is implying that the state is selectively prosecuting his client on the charge. So can I ask you, Mr. Washington, on the night of the 25th, when this all happened, the video that you just showed us, did you receive a, a curfew ticket? Wait. No. No? Okay. Did you, were you aware there was a curfew in place? Yes. Okay. And you agree you were out past curfew, right? Yeah. Okay. Sharafasi next transitions to questioning Washington about his observations as he covered the events in downtown Kenosha over the three days after the shooting of Jacob Blake. He begins this section of his cross by asking whether there were individuals in the crowds who seemed to be outsiders to the city. 
tell me if this is right. You had said that on the night of the 23rd, there started to be people that you uh, saw downtown that you didn't really recognize. Yes. So you had, uh, it sounds like you have some influence in the community and you're known in the community. So there were people that you were starting to think were from out of town? Yes, or at least people that were very suspicious looking. Can you tell me why they were suspicious looking? Um, attire, mainly, kind of what their attire and actions, I suppose. Like I, I mentioned, I believe yesterday, seeing someone that was in the back of a, I believe it may have even been the the truck that you showed in the back of the truck finding debris that in it. I believe in the video, I may even have video, maybe you have the video of me asking the person what they're doing, why they're in the back of the truck, and they said they're trying to find stuff to break stuff or whatever. So that was kind of one of the first moments, I suppose, were like a major red flag besides, you know, all the fires that were set, went off. Would it be fair to say that what we're seeing on the screen there, that's a red flag to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a burning garbage truck. Okay. Sharafasi then seeks to elicit testimony from Washington that would confirm for the jurors that the property destruction in downtown Kenosha was increasing in frequency and intensity as the days progressed. So that's the 23rd. On the 24th, I think you said the 24th is worse than the 23rd. Is that right? In terms of uh, damage to buildings and property? Um, I, I believe so. Again, to be, I'm trying to be as transparent and fair to myself, I suppose. There was a lot that went on within like that week or two. I didn't get much sleep and I'm trying to remember the best of my knowledge, but I haven't reviewed the video to study the video. So to the best of my knowledge, yes. Finding Washington reluctant to confirm the premise of his question, Sharafasi offers an example of the referenced destruction. So one of the things that you had mentioned that had happened was uh, you witnessed the uh, Department of Corrections Probation and Parole Office being burned. If I can show you, is that is that... Is that the Department of Corrections Probation Parole? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's what it says on the building. Not really. Right. I'm, uh, I'm not trying to trick you, sir. I just... Okay. Okay. Next, Jurovsky anchors the questioning in a landmark that is familiar to the jurors, one of the car source properties in downtown Kenosha. Do you recognize that picture, sir? Yes. And if I said that's a picture of uh, fires at the car source, would that be fair to you? Yes. Okay. The defense attorney slowly builds to his point in this line of questioning. Yeah, I think you guys. Is that the car source uh, that we're talking about? So that is the Stella. Yeah, so yeah, that's the one across from Ruth. Okay. Right. So my question to you is this On the 24th, did you notice more or less people protecting their businesses than the 23rd? Or the same? Um, I would. More? Possibly, just because people had a general idea of what was going on. Okay. Were there more businesses boarded up? On the 24th? I mean, there were no businesses boarded up on the 23rd. So if there were any businesses boarded up on the 24th, then, then yes, if, even if it was one, I imagine. So 24th, you believe there were more people that were out protecting their property that you noticed? Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Were there more people out on the 25th, the night of the shooting, than the 24th? Protecting their businesses or more, just in general? More people out protecting businesses on the 25th. Yes, there's visibly more people. All right, and tell me if this is right. On the 25th, more people out protecting businesses, less fires. Agreed? On the 25th. Yes, if that's the only comparison that we're going to make, yes. Well, on the 24th, there were more fires yeah, right. and some people out, right? Right. And then on the next day, the 25th, you said visibly more people out protecting property and far less fires. Yes, there was also less people as well, though. On the 25th? Yes. Through Washington's guarded testimony, Shirafasi is finally able to establish his implied point that because of armed individuals like his client, fewer businesses were burned or damaged. So down around um, Car Source, uh, would you say there were visibly more people there to protect that business than the previous two days? Down at the Car Source? Yeah. Um, yes. And it may have been the owners or something. I'm not sure. Just there were more, more people protecting their businesses, and I understand you're saying less people were out, but substantially less property damage as it relates to fires that night. Yes. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Shirafasi next replays a portion of Washington's live stream that the jury saw during Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of him. A dumpster is on fire, being rolled in front of the ultimate gas station, and then someone puts out the dumpster fire. Play it. People at that point are putting out the Yes, that's what it appears to be. It, were people getting angry when the fires were being put out? Were they voicing voicing objections? So, the, I mean, there is, I would say yes, but there is pretty much objections to everything that everyone disagreed on. That's why I believe at one point in the video you hear me say people just need to agree to disagree on all of this stuff because it's just going to continue to be back and forth. Again, Shirafasi seeks to guide Washington's testimony towards his preferred narrative, that Joseph Rosenbaum was angry that the dumpster fire was extinguished, that Kyle Rittenhouse was carrying a fire extinguisher, and therefore Joseph Rosenbaum was angry at Kyle Rittenhouse. Corey Washington appears reluctant to follow Shirafasi's lead. So that gentleman right there, we agree, it's Joseph Rosenbaum? Yes. Um, did you see him becoming angry at that point, moving toward uh, the other people at the ultimate gas station? So to, um, to be fair, at that point, I wasn't focused on him. 
to be honest, but to be transparent, everything that I've ever seen of him that was kind of circulated on the internet, he seemed upset. So I'm not going to dispute that, but that's, again, outside influence of my knowledge of him, but it seems like it. Shiravasi next seeks to blunt Washington's testimony during direct that the dumpster fire did not appear to be intended to threaten the gas station. You had mentioned that you didn't believe that the dumpsters were being pushed toward uh, the gas station, is that right? Yeah, to, so, and I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to, to me, I felt like they were trying to push them towards the police. Um, that's what I kind of felt, and that's what it appeared to be to me. What that would do, I'm, I'm you know. Fair to say, though, that there are dumpsters being pushed. Um, at least one of them is pushed to kind of like where the driveway of the of the gas station is, right? Yeah, they got them from like the the, the gas station parking lot. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it's reasonable that people put out fires that are near gas stations? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Okay. Shirafasi then seems to want to use Washington's testimony and video to emphasize the chaotic danger to Rittenhouse and others on the night of August 25, 2020. He asks the witness about the threat posed by the rocks that individuals were throwing. You had mentioned that people were throwing rocks, right? Yeah, you, you can hear throughout the video, there's, and I mean, throughout the entire, I'd say, several days of things that were going on, there was like the sound of rocks and things being thrown, kind of it's like quiet noise or whatever. Do you know, uh, now rocks can have different sizes and connotations and things like that? Cool, yes. Did you see and have you seen, they were actually taking uh, chunks of concrete and breaking them on the ground and yeah, picking I, up chunks of concrete and, and throwing them? Yes, I, I've seen that, yes. Okay, so it was, and I'm, I'm not saying that you misrepresented anything. There's a difference between maybe a small rock and a chunk of concrete, is that fair? Yeah, you can, and you can hear throughout the video that there's a difference. You can tell by, you know, the, you know, the velocity of, the, or the sound of the banging that it's a different size material that's being thrown. Next, Shirafasi appears to try to guide Washington's testimony to support the idea that Kyle Rittenhouse was not a threatening presence that evening particularly in comparison to Joseph Rosenbaum. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the defendant, correct? Yeah, that's Mr. Rittenhouse. Agreed? Yes. Okay. Um, does he, during this time that you saw him, mm -hmm. does he appear to be agitated or irritated in any way to you? Uh, right there, it looks like he's just kind of standing looking around. Okay. Would, if he would have been agitated or irritated or threatening in any way, would you have kind of followed him around probably or no? With the camera up to see what he was doing? Like if he was th like threatening? Yeah, I if mean, he was acting, I'll ask it you this way. If he was acting inappropriate, um, would you have videotaped him? If he was engaging with someone in an, an inappropriate way and it was in my radius and I caught it, then I would move to that direction, yeah. So is it fair to say there's nothing about his behavior at the ultimate gas station that made you focus on him at all? At this point, there's, I'm just kind of standing around seeing what's going on because there's not much happening, so yeah. 
Shirafasi then tries to use Washington's expertise as a skateboarder to elicit his testimony that the skateboard could be a dangerous weapon and to support the defense narrative that Anthony Huber employed his skateboard as both a vehicle and a means to inflict great harm on the defendant. You had, you were asked um, how you got around that night and you had mentioned that you had gotten around that night on a skateboard. Yes. Okay. Do you know um, what the trucks of a skateboard are? Yes. What are they? They're what you attach the wheels of your skateboard to that attaches them to the board itself. Okay. So can I ask you this? If you were, if you were gonna swing that skateboard mm -hmm. in an effort to create some velocity and hurt someone, how would you swing it? If I was gonna swing my skateboard to, to hurt someone? Mm -hmm. I mean, I suppose it depends on the situation. You could, I mean, it's a plank of wood, pretty much, so however you favor holding a plank of wood. Could you grab it? Could you grab it by the trucks and swing it? You could if you, yeah. You could hold it, and you could grab it by anything, really. Anything that's on it, you could hold it by, so yes. We are now going to pause our examination of Sharafasi's Cross of Washington and bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we continue our look at Corey Washington's testimony, including Sharafasi's continued efforts to get the witness to compare the demeanors of Rittenhouse and Joseph Rosenbaum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. The episode was edited by Chris Taracone. Music for the episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.